The Best Story Ever. Chapter 7. Two Visions Collide. During the period of time when Paul and Barnabas are back in Antioch, uh, Peter visits Antioch at this time in the year 49. We don't know exactly why, but for some reason, uh, Paul is not in Antioch at the time when Peter arrives. Who knows? He might have been back in Tarshish visiting his family during this kind of rest year, but we don't know why, but for some reason, Paul was not present. But Peter travels from Jerusalem, his center of activity, up to Antioch, which is kind of the center of the Gentile church activity, and uh, and he visits there to encourage them and to teach them and to share his experiences with Jesus Christ, uh, first-hand experience, and, and, and that's all very good. And while, while Peter's in Antioch, he fellowships with Gentile believers. He sits at table with them. He, he fellowships with them as co-equals in the gospel. Uh, when he's in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem church has kind of different practices where the Jewish and the Gentile believers are a little bit more separate, but the Jewish uh, faction or group is by far and away the majority in Jerusalem and Palestine, of course. So some members of what we earlier uh, referred to as the circumcision party back in Jerusalem find out, they get word that Peter is fellowshipping with Gentile believers and sitting at table with them. And so they send a delegation from Jerusalem following Peter up to Antioch uh, to correct this thing that they see as a problem. They bring with them a letter from James, the brother of Jesus. Uh, and uh, again, Paul is not present. So these, uh, this delegation from Jerusalem with a letter from James persuade Peter to stop fellowshipping with the Gentiles in Antioch. Uh, they, their argument is that it makes it very difficult to evangelize the Jews uh, when the Jewish believers are, are disobeying the law of Moses in these different ways. And so uh, Peter, Peter seems to follow along with that, uh, that directive. And so now the Jewish believers in Antioch are kind of meeting separately along Jewish customs, ethnically. And the Gentile church in Antioch is is meeting a little bit on their own. And there's the the, the co-cultural church that had been so evident in Antioch was starting to divide along these, these faction lines, these two visions of what the church of Jesus Christ should be like. Now, at some point, uh, Paul returns to Antioch and sees this happening and he publicly rebukes Peter about his hypocrisy. And uh, it seems like this is, is reconciled in Antioch and comes back together. And Peter uh, and Paul, uh, their relationship remains intact through this difficult situation. Um, Peter returns to Jerusalem with a favorable report of Paul's missions. But along with that, uh, when Peter reports Paul's missions in Jerusalem, the Judaizers, as they're called, the circumcision party, uh, hear about these new churches, these baby churches in the region of Galatia that Paul had started. And so they send some people up into Galatia to visit the same churches that Paul and Barnabas had just started. And these Judaizers are teaching, are, are going there to correct the teaching of Paul. And this is what they teach. The Judaizers teach that 
Jerusalem is the center of God's work, and the twelve who were with Jesus are the only authorized authority, and Paul was not authorized because he did not actually live during those three years with Jesus with the other twelve. They teach that Paul had indeed met the other apostles, uh, the twelve who were with Jesus, and they seemed to be in agreement. But then after Paul left Jerusalem to travel, he had modified the gospel without the authority of the twelve. And in his modified gospel, he did not include the requirement to follow the law of Moses once you became a Christian. So they're teaching uh, that Paul's gospel is deficient or incomplete. He did not include the hard parts of the gospel, which includes circumcision and the law. These Judaizers claim that Peter is the chief apostle and that Paul had arrogantly rebuked him, which proves that Paul is wrong. And they argued that Paul is inconsistent. When he lives among Jews, he lives as a circumcised law-abiding Jews. And when he lives among Gentiles, he lives a different way. And this inconsistency proves that, that Paul is wrong. So we have two visions of the gospel. Two visions of what the Church of Jesus Christ is going to be in the world. One is an extension of Judaism with the addition of the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. These people are true Christians, but they want to add the ethnic and cultural and law things of being a Jew into the requirements for being a Christian, for being a member in the church. And the other vision is that People can continue to operate according to their cultural and language uh, kind of things uh, as long as they accept Jesus as Lord and do some minimum requirements and as as, uh, has been discussed in other places and will be at great length in the next chapter. So the Galatian churches, they're just one or two years old. They're, they're just babies in the faith, and, and they're confused by this. Do we, do we, was Paul teaching us correctly, or, or are these new uh, people teaching us correctly? And so Paul is angered by this kind of attempt to sabotage what he had done. And, uh, and when he receives a letter from the Galatian churches asking him uh, what they should do, uh, he writes a letter to the churches in Galatia, which is in our Bibles. Uh, we know it as Galatians. It was written in the year 49 when Paul had, was in Antioch on return from his first missionary journey. And in this letter, uh, he writes to the two, one to two-year-old churches, and he answers every argument that I've just outlined from the Judaizers. He, he seeks to persuade them that the Judaizers are wrong and that the gospel is free from the law. Uh, in this letter to the Galatian churches, uh, Paul reuses a lot of language that would be very resonant with slaves and lower-class people, and it seems from this evident that most of the believers in these new churches were, in fact, slaves. If you just read Galatians with that in mind, uh, Paul's using language and illustrations that would mean a lot and, 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 and resonate with or connect with an audience that is largely from the, the portion of society that are slaves. Uh, Paul uses uh, scathing indictments against the Judaizers. Uh, he calls them mutilators of the flesh. And, uh, and things like that. And it seems evident in this letter that Paul is angry. It's the only letter where he doesn't give a thanksgiving prayer. But it, it would have been very frustrating for him to be in this situation where he just started these churches and now they're being undermined with this other vision of what the gospel is all about. 
And we're going to look at how this uh, double vision, these two visions of what the gospel is, of what the Church of Jesus Christ will look like going forward. Uh, we're going to look at how that's resolved in the next chapter, in chapter 8. But before I go there, because we're now at the first letter in our New Testaments, Galatians, uh, you should pause and read Galatians with all of these things in mind. But before you do that, I want to make a note about letter writing and letter delivering in the first century. Uh, and this will be um, something to keep in mind throughout all of the letters in the New Testament. What was traditional, what was the common method of communication in those days, is that someone who was a teacher or a rabbi or a philosopher or, or for some reason had a, a group of disciples that they were writing to would write a letter, but they would write it with someone who was going to deliver the letter. So they might even, after writing it, they might have the person, usually a long, younger disciple of theirs, read the letter back to them and then coach them on how to read it, where they should raise the volume, what the inflection should be to give the maximum effect of the letter. The letter was written to be orally delivered by a person that the author of the letter trained to deliver the letter. But then in addition to the actual reading of the letter in this way, the author of the letter would then teach each of the points in the letter in great detail to the person who was going to deliver the letter. So not only would the person who delivers the letter uh, read it to the audience, because many people couldn't read, but the person delivering the letter would also know how to explain in great detail all of the points. So a lot of times the letter doesn't carry all of the detail that's trying to be conveyed, it hints at stuff. It's kind of like an outline where the letter person who delivers the letter will expound upon and answer questions based on their knowledge of being taught by the letter writer what it all means. So this was an effective method of communication in those days, and this is how people communicated across the Roman Empire, and Paul was no different. So we often see when he sends a letter that he sends it with a specific person, and it's mentioned. And so when this person reads the letter to the church and then explains it to them and answers their questions, probably over a period of a number of days or even weeks, uh, they would hear that as being Paul himself teaching them. And so that's one of the reasons why when we preach from the letters in the New Testament, we can do whole sermons on just one or two verses or one section or one passage because that's exactly how they were meant to be taught in the first place. Uh, the letter carrier would read it and then expound and expand on the different parts of the letter as the person, the author of the letter, had instructed them to do. And so this would have been well understood by everybody. This is how communication happened in those days. And so when we read the letters in our New Testament, we keep this in mind. And so, read the letter to the Galatians, uh, thinking about these different uh, situations that the people were in and the controversy that was brewing uh, and coming to the surface in the early church.